and four, and three, and two, and one. Dominic Herrera. Oh, what a way to lead the show there, Joe Rogan. I like to do it that way. I don't know why I've been talking to you like that forever, but I have. I know. you. We, we always go into these <laughs> Irish accents. They would throw us out of Ireland with those accents. I think it was when you started touring in Ireland on a regular basis. Uh-huh. That's like, a long time, Joe. Yeah, but you, you've always been touring in Ireland. I remember you talking about how great Ireland was decades ago. Yeah. Yeah, you've I, always loved it there, I've huh? been to the Kilkenny Festival more than any other white guy. No, I mean American. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How long have you been there? How many, how many times? I think like 22. Holy shit. Rich Hall also went a lot, but he's, he's based in London. I'm the only one that actually still comes over. Rich Hall. Remember he's him? Like, he did the Sniglets. He yeah. was on Saturday Night Live. He's based in London now? Yeah, he likes it better there. You know? Huh. He, he still works here once in a while. He's got a place in Montana. But he was on Saturday Night Live, and he did that Sniglets book, and it was a big smash. I paid to see him live when I was one week into comedy. He was performing at Stitches, and I went there live to Stitch, see him. Oh, Stitches in is. Boston. Yeah. So he lives in London now. Is he still doing stand-up? Yeah, yeah. I saw him at the... Uh, Laugh Factory in Vegas a couple weeks ago. Him, Harris Pete, and Blake Clark. He always used Harris Pete. Like he would take Harris Pete yeah. on the road with him, and Harris Pete used to watch his Montana place for him. Right. That's hilarious. He was a joyless doorman. Like he made the comedy experience tense and miserable. But yeah. it's pretty funny. He was he was rough as a doorman. Harris is but he's one of those old staples of the comedy store where yeah. it's almost kind of weird not having him around. Yeah, yeah. He I mean he made it so uninviting, you know? Like Yeah. Just have a smile to show to people, you know, they're going to have a good time. He made it like a military thing, you know. Yeah, it wasn't good. Yeah. <laughs> and then there was Chewy, who was always the, 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 the guy who was sort of working the door. You could get door, anything you wanted or anything you needed from Chewy. Yeah, he, allegedly. You know, he played, he played guitar at the House of Blues across the street, and he was really good. And yeah. He was with this group, and I was thinking, 30 feet away... You're like the the schlub who's like you know running around trying to trying to sell you know coke or whatever he was doing, and here you're like a big star like it's so close yet so far you know. Yeah, he used to headline at the House of Blues. We would all go over and see him. Yeah, he was fucking yeah. good, man. Very good. Yeah. His band. Where's he at? I don't know. Wow. I've been seeing him in years. You haven't seen that guy in literally forever. Well, this whole. Uh, Renaissance, the comedy store, has happened since you you came back, and the guys then they started filtering back Bill Burr and and uh, Chris DeLeo came in, you know. But it's but when he was here, there was some slow nights, man. Oh yeah, you know you know when you know the place is slow when Paulie and I are the most famous people. <laughs> it's not a good sign. I'm not putting myself down, but let's face it, you need a little more than the two of us. Yeah, it's weird there now, isn't it? You go there now, it's like it's mobbed. You can't it's even a, get through the hallways. I know. It's incredible. I mean, you know, I, like you always think, what's going on? It's like nothing. It's just a regular night. But you'll have something in the main room or uh, Sam Tripoli. Or, yeah, it's incredible. Tuesday night main room full. That was unheard of. Yeah, Tuesday night main room sold out while the OR sold out while the belly room sold out. Yeah. On Tuesday night. It's crazy. It's good, though. It's great for us. It's fun. Yeah, well, I love the crowds there. I mean... I really get something out of all three clubs. I really do. Like, the Laugh Factory is like college kids and and foreign students and for, foreign people, and the Comedy Store to me is the most uh, cross pollinated. Like in the sense that there's so many more tourists because yeah. of the hotels, you know. Right. And then the Improv is kind of like Hollywood slick. Yeah, mm. yeah. And then there's the Improv Lab, which I just can't get a read on. I've done it a couple times just for the challenge, and man. 
they sit there and then all of a sudden they laugh. It like scares you because they were sitting there. It's like <laughs> it was quiet. And then they, you know, they go, they, it's a weird little room. Yeah, they're very discerning. You know that that's like the hip spot there. The thing is, that room used to be a great room when it was set up the other way. I liked it the other way too. The yeah. other way was amazing when it was the that whole bar area. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know. Uh, I just I mean, the thing is I don't know if you go you don't do the multiple shows or you do them all at the store. I do some of them some nights I'll do the improv and then I'll jet over to the store too. I don't really do the factory anymore. Yeah. Uh but if I can do it if I do an early show at the store sometimes I'll do the ice house as well. Well you'll do benefits there once yeah. in a while. Yeah. That's the way Bill Bill does it too. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, whatever makes you happy, you know, we've talked about this. It's like uh, we're, I, I just love the idea, and I know you do. You have a thought, and you can go on that night. Yeah. You know, I mean, what, imagine like you know, an actor can't do that. No, it's giant, too, because sometimes that thought is funny to you right there in that moment. And you know why it's funny yeah. to you, and you might forget why it's funny the next oh, yeah. day. You might have like a little napkin with something written down, you know, uh, tampons, Kleenex, right. you know, paper towels. Well, I don't carry tampons anymore. Anymore. Because my rectal bleeding has ceased. <laughs> Come on, I started. I don't with, think that's the way to go with rectal bleeding. I think there's other options. I think you think you're. Did you ever get the colonoscopy? No, colonoscopy, right? Yeah. Anyway, people ask me. They said I was saying something. They go, "It's funny." I said, "I don't think these college kids want to hear about that." No. You know, it's not the kind of subject I would bring up. It's bad enough I'm older than them. I don't want to bring up stuff that hasn't happened to them yet. Yeah, stuff that they they don't they're never going to understand, like Alzheimer's. Hey, kids, you know what about Alzheimer's yeah. disease, right? You're What's like, the what? name of that the disease? I can't remember the name. Yeah. Well, we Parkinson's. were talking, Jamie. We were talking. Uh, I was talking the power of this podcast, not to stroke you, but you know, you know how strong it is. When I went to Australia, not even think of all these boys were were there. And they were like busting my chops about not knowing how. Do you remember we did a thing about how much does a gorilla weigh? <laughs> yeah. And you were much closer than I was. And they're busting my balls about not knowing how much. Rogan beat you on that one, you know? But, isn't that funny? Fucking Australia. Of course, it's about wildlife over there. I, I got a buddy, my buddy Adam Greentree, is always trying to get me to come over to Australia. And every time I find something on online that can kill you from Australia, I send it to him. I'm like, <laughs> fuck you. Yeah, but you never see that stuff. You got to go to the outback for that. Well, that's where he wants to take me. Now, what do you? Why would you want to go there? You might as well just go to the Mojave. Uh, you gotta, you gotta bow hunting. There's a lot of bow hunting in Australia. Bow hunting. Bow. Oh, bow. bow. Like archery. Oh my! Can you do that? In Australia? No. Can you do? Are you are you good with a bow and arrow? For real? Yeah. That's where I got that. Wow. No, you I didn't know I bow hunted. Can't no. believe I never told you that. No, I've been doing mean, it for years. I've seen pictures of you and Brian. Uh, Hunting. Hunting, yeah, yeah. Bear and stuff. With rifles. Is that with rifles? Do you have any idea how much more of a man you are than I am? I'm not thinking about it that often. No, but, I'm not <laughs> but I never, I mean, I don't hunt. I don't do anything. To me, it's like a big deal to have somebody drive me to Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like an adventurer. I don't think it has anything to do with being a man. Well. Just uh, think you, uh, you don't have the same interests as me. That's the beautiful thing about America, Dom Herrera. Do whatever the Thank fuck you, you want. Thank you for telling me about the country that we love. But I, I just don't. I, I don't know. I mean, the whole idea of sleeping out in the woods and all—it's fun. I enjoy it. I enjoy five-star hotels. I enjoy those too. Twenty-four-hour room service. I like that as well. That's nice too. I, I like that as well. But I do like getting up, opening up the tent, looking out, and just seeing a mountain filled with trees, and hearing the birds chirp, and yeah. putting your boots on. 
having a cup of coffee that's warmed up by a fire. I must, love all that. Must be very funny with you and Callan. Oh, uh, Talon is one of the funniest guys that's yeah. ever lived when it comes to like just hanging out oh, yeah. and bullshitting. Definitely. Like, with a small group of people. Yeah. We did uh, the his first energy. time ever. Yeah, uh, his energy and he just knows, he knows how to make shit laugh. Yeah. We did um, this hunt in Montana in 2012. It was like six or seven days in the Missouri breaks, which is like a very really a real wild place you don't see any people there's no cell phone signals and it was six solid days of gay jokes coming out of Callan. <laughs> and i mean gay jokes like Callan being gay with us like wanting to have right, sex right. with us or wanting us to have sex with him and and it just it never stopped being funny he's fucking hilarious it's now do you get all this down do you, do you does anybody cover it you know, for like a show someday or something. Yeah, that was for a show. That was for a show called Meat Eater. It's uh -huh. a uh, it's a hunting show that my friend Steve Rinella has, and um, we've done that show three times, four, four times. We've done that show four times. Does is, does your wife mind you going on these trips? Like, no, she likes it. That's cool. And the the meat is amazing. You know, you come back with wild game. Hundreds I can't imagine of killing it. something and then eating it. That's so. That's so. But you just eating meat right there. But the chicken. Yeah. yeah, but I don't think of it as like. Uh, of course, because he didn't kill it. Do you, I know. Do you ever think of like salami as being like part of an animal? It's, to me, it's like just this little thing that runs around. <laughs> they cut its legs off and make a sandwich. Well, I think about it that way now. I think about it as meat, but yeah, I always just thought about it as salami. It's, it's very just, convenient. Yeah, yeah, it's very convenient to think about things that way, and you lose that convenience when you hunt. You get a, a weird connection with your food. That um, some people just don't want, and I understand that too. That some people just want to be able to go to the grocery store, pick up a little styrofoam container that has a steak in it, take it home, cook it, and they're good, and they're fine with that. Uh, that's fine too. So you've killed stuff and eaten it there. I've killed stuff and eaten it in the woods. Wow. Yeah, or eaten part of it, obviously. And then you freeze it. Yeah, yeah, you bring it home and freeze it. When did you start this, Joe? 2012. So six years ago, more uh -huh. like. Five and a half. And you, how, is, is it a crossbow or what do you? Use? No, a compound bow looks like a regular bow, but it has wheels at the top that are uh -huh. called cams. And then the cams, when it turns over, it gives you a mechanical advantage. It makes the bow more powerful. Good. It's cool. It's intense. I like the crossbows. The yeah, those are good, but it's really just like a shitty gun. That's what a crossbow is. It's like you're just shooting a stick instead of like you're you know you can rest it and look through the like you could put it on a rest actually and look through the scope uh -huh. and then squeeze the trigger like a rifle. It's not nearly as difficult as a regular bow. Now did you ever sh shoot an animal, hit it, and then it ran away? Uh, unfortunately, yes, I did that uh, on TV. I did that really? with that meat eater show. Yeah, there was a, a problem with the rifle. The um, the rifle scope was off. Yeah, yeah. I had fallen. And the rifle, sc the rifle scope was installed by one of the guys as we got there. We changed the scopes because there was a sponsor of the company, a uh -huh. uh, sponsor of the show, rather, and they put a different rifle scope on and uh, shot a deer with it, and it was wounded, and it, w it didn't die. Yeah, that's kind of suck. It was horrible. I mean, I'm sure it, sure it died within a couple hours, but we couldn't get to it in time. Yeah. We couldn't find it. I'd rather just hit it with a car. Blah. Well, that's one of the problems where where we were in yeah. Wisconsin. Like at nighttime, you got to drive slow. Oh yeah, they, they're fucking everywhere. They're darting out into the middle of the road, especially when what's called the rut kicks in. Do you what's know what that? the rut is, Tommy? Yeah. The deer get all horny. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, they rut. 
They run around. They get fucking crazy. They get so crazy, they'll just like walk right into traffic and just stare at cars. <laughs> I'll fuck anything. <laughs> they don't know what's coming doing. at me. I mean, there's there's videos of uh, moose uh, f- trying to fuck bales of hay during the rut. Like, they literally lose their mind. They have no idea what's going on. They the just, moose are like nine feet or something? They're gigantic. Yeah. A good sized moose, like a, a good sized Canadian moose, could be 1,800 pounds. Holy shit. Yeah. You can't even imagine how you big You don't that eat is. them, do you? Yeah. yeah. I shot one of those. One of them in the other room. You have moose burgers here? Yeah. Yeah. I've got moose burgers. Are you serious? Yeah. I've got some left over. Yeah, I got a lot of elk burger. That's an elk, that that big guy on the wall back there. Wow. They're delicious. So good for you, too. It's like the best meat you can really? ever. Oh, yeah. It doesn't even look the same. It looks like a deep, dark red. I don't know how it's psychological. It's obviously psychological, but certain meats like rabbit, mm-hmm. I can't eat. And I don't know why, because I'll eat chicken. But it doesn't really make sense. Are you a Bugs Bunny fan? Yeah. Big, har- hardcore. Hardcore? Yeah. Did you get the tattoo? Yeah, but I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Can we talk about this off the air, please? Yes. It's, it's, sorry. It's embarrassing. I know. I know. Um, yeah, a lot of people get real attached to rabbits, but chickens are like, they're heartless little dinosaurs. They're noisy and... Bah! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, chickens, they're, they're, you know, they're li- basically a lizard. Just a lizard with feathers. Really? Yeah. Yeah, you pluck all that shit off and look at them. Like, what is that? Yeah. What's a bird? It's not a flying lizard. Not a good-looking animal. Do they know whether or not pterodactyls... I, I just found out from my seven-year-old that pterodactyls are not dinosaurs. Really? Yeah, she corrected me. They came in a different period? I don't know. She told me they're not dinosaurs, and we Googled it, and she was right. And I was like, how am I so they're stupid? They're not dinosaurs. And then I was thinking, you know, we always had those images of pterodactyls where they were flying around, and they had, like, bat-like wings, right? Right. What do you got, Jamie? You got something for me? That's what it says. It says they lived at the same time, but they're not actually dinosaurs. Hmm. What, what makes Terrid- it a dinosaur, technically? It's a good question. Somehow, they're not actually dinosaurs. They were flying creatures, and paleontologists keep telling us that dinosaurs are birds. So the di- What? Wait a minute. Yeah. They're petrosaurs, but that doesn't make any sense because dinosaurs are birds. So birds became dinosaurs, but pterodactyls, who could fly, are not dinosaurs. Well, isn't the bird the... the uh Closest descendant of dinosaurs? Yes. Yeah. They're not dinosaurs, so what the hell are they? Here's the thing. Like, when they show that image of them with uh, the skin for wings instead of uh, bats, I don't know if they know if that's real. I don't know if that's based on what they absolutely know or, like, what they think because they're starting to think that a lot of dinosaurs had feathers now. This is pretty recently. I was in the museum in... Bozeman, Montana, there's a museum, like a natural history type museum, mm-hmm. and they have uh, like a split image of a um, dinosaur, like a raptor, and it's covered with feathers. Wow. Yeah, because they think it's entirely possible that a lot of the dinosaurs were covered in feathers. Well, I didn't know that. not as much fossilized remains of it. Huh. <clears throat> I didn't know that man never lived with dinosaurs at the really? same period. Yeah. I didn't know that until a couple of years ago. You really didn't know? I thought cavemen, you know, because they always show them like in cartoons. <laughs> I was going by the Flintstones. <laughs> you really didn't know? Well, I mean. You're I, a real comic, Dom. I you, guess you, I you, am. You don't pay attention to shit. <laughs> <laughs> Outside of telling jokes. Thank God I can do that decently, Joe. Yeah. What would I do? I, I have no skills. I, I like to teach kids. I like, I like to teach in fourth grade, and that was about it. Well, you like having fun. Well, if you teach kids, don't teach them about dinosaurs. What did uh, you teach? 
I taught, I taught everything. <laughs> yeah, I taught everything because it was Catholic school. I taught oh. everything, but the, but the smart kids math because I was dumb. I, I stuck with the dumb kids and oh. we would split the class. Like, come on, you retards, come with me, which you couldn't say now. Yeah, you couldn't say that now. You get in serious trouble. You'd be on the front page of USA Today. You know, I still have kids that get in touch with me. Really? Yeah. They said, and it makes me feel so good that it was the best year of their lives as far as going to school. Because I really, we, we had fucking fun. I would go in, I, my speech was, I want to go to the gym more than you guys do, so don't mess it up for me. <laughs> and you got to learn some of this stuff. I don't know why I hate it too. You know, I'd be like kind of honest. Right. And they dug it, and we had just we had, we had dance contests and everything. <laughs> it was hilarious. I had this one kid, Tyrone Dunn. He was like a baby James Brown. He could do a split, a complete split, and then then get his himself up without touching anything. Wow. Yeah, amazing. Like James Brown. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, when you're a kid and you're going to school, like anyone who has any spark of life is exciting. I yeah. still, to this day, think about some of the teachers that I had in high school. I had two really good teachers in high school. One lady, I wish I could remember her name, and one guy who was a Spanish teacher that I'm pretty sure fucked one of my friends, who was a girl. Oh. She, he, <laughs> Thanks for clearing that he, up. He, he was a young guy. He was like 25 years old, and she was hot. And uh, I know that they were like talking a lot. And she was 17, he was 25, and I'm pretty sure he fucked her. I'm, I'm almost positive, because she was very sexually aggressive, uh -huh. and she was ad ad advanced for her time, both physically and mentally. Like she was one of those girls, yeah. who, like you knew she was not going to last in that town. She's going to get the fuck out of there. I remember I did this clean show at the uh, that hotel in San Diego. The uh, I forget what it was where some like it hot was. It's a clean show. At Del Coronado. Uh, I did a clean show, like an early show at seven o'clock on a so Saturday. They, they make you be clean. Well, they can only make you be so clean. But the point, uh, the thing I was getting at was uh, there was these fifteen-year-old boys there, right? And they're with their parents. You could tell their parents were a little snooty. So I said, fifteen, what a great age! And this, this is this could be a dangerous thing to say. I said, you know what's great about being fifteen? You can nail a fifteen-year-old girl and not go to jail for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> Right, like, and the kids were crying, laughing, and the parents were really—they looked like they wanted to pull them out of there. You know? Oh yeah, parents don't want kids fucking. Yeah, hilarious. Well, if they're both fifteen, yeah. you really can't get in trouble. Well, the girl could get pregnant. Yeah, that's no bueno. But like the idea that you're going to stop them, like, hey, you stop doing that thing that feels better than anything <laughs> you're ever going to do at school, at work. Don't do that, though. Your, all of your cells in your body are compelling you in that direction. But don't do that. But don't do it. Your whole body, your DNA, your thoughts are haunted. Everything is wrapped around, like, tits and ass and legs and feet and mouths and... <laughs> don't do it. I remember the first time I whacked off in my... I was in my bedroom in Philly, and I came so much... And I thought, I'll never have children. <laughs> I, re I really did. I thought I, I swear, Joe, I thought I emptied it. <laughs> Until you drained the tank. It just kept coming. Oh, like, no. Flow, like flow gushes. Yeah. Isn't it amazing how far you would shoot back then, too? Oh. The distance was insane. Knock your eye out from we, <laughs> we Googled it, and we think I think 
if I remember correctly, the furthest a guy ever jizzed was like 29 feet. Holy shit. Yeah. I can't even throw it that far. I don't remember making that search. <laughs> <laughs> you blacked it out of your mind, your memory like a childhood molestation. There was, a, <laughs> there was this guy, Lenny Schultz. I remember he, Crazy Lenny. Oh, you do? Yeah. He used to do a bit about jerking off a midget. He goes, I jerk off the midget, and he would come in the air, and then I would bat his cum onto the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, I know. Crazy what you, Lenny. What do you say to that? Oh, good. I see you're writing. Always writing. He used to fucking walk on stage with a Smokey the Bear doll, and he would he would hold the doll up and say, only you can prevent forest fires, oh, and he geez. goes, shut the fuck up, and punches the bear. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't make any sense, and you were crying laughing. <laughs> he was one of those guys that was just fucking funny from the look on his yeah, face he was. to everything he said he just knew how to he was his own unique style he just knew how to be funny well he had that psychotic funny too like he looked like a guy that would pet a pigeon and go yes sure daddy loves you and snap its neck yeah, and go yeah. what did i do exactly daddy loved you exactly crazy. and then chuck it aside and yeah. keep moving on with his act <laughs> He grabs the bear. Only you can prevent uh. forest fires. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Punches the dog. <laughs> we, we remember Jimbo's place in Montreal? Yeah, of course. Comedy Works. Yeah, that's yeah. where we were. That's where we, oh, that's yeah. where I saw Crazy Lenny. Well, that was, that was probably around the first time I met you then. Probably, yeah. Like 93-ish, somewhere in that range. I remember meeting you on the, at the, the Club Soda. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. And then we ran into each other again at Amsterdam Billiards. Right. And we and started I was like, shooting oh, pool. Oh, this time we're here to praise the pool. <laughs> There's only a few of us that play the pool. Artie Lang plays real good pool. Does he? Yep, very good. Fitzsimmons was here yesterday. He plays real good. Yeah, Greg and I just played at the, uh, at the improv. They used to have a, a quarter table upstairs. Oh, really? Yeah, for years. Oh, the, the setup up there is very nice down now at the improv. Yeah, they, that whole green room with the, the, the uh, podcast studio. Yeah, that is cool. Very nice. It's a good setup. We're plugging the shit out of these clubs. Oh, that's what we do, Delarita. <laughs> but yeah, like out of guys who play pool, like comics who play pool, it's a fucking small group of us. Yeah. Not that many. Who else? Somebody else plays good. I think uh, Adam Ferraro plays. Yes. Ferraro plays very good. Yeah. Adam plays very good. Yeah. He was at my house playing, but I know I'll never get you back there because there's too many uh, obstacles. you got to jack up. They like have one of those little baby cues. Well, Joe, who has room like this? Who has 50 feet on each side of a pool table? <laughs> well, we're going to stream some stuff from here. We're going to eventually stream pool matches. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to set up cameras and just talk shit and have a uh, live stream. You ever heard of Twitch? Do you know what Twitch is? No. Twitch is a streaming service where you play games on it, mostly video games. Most people use it for video games. But we've been talking to them about doing um, video games, and then I'm thinking we might do some pool matches as well, and even some archery. Well, put me up against Tosh. All right, you're going to. T I like Does to Tosh be play a little bit, but I just Does he? I always beat him, you know. <clears throat> oh, psychological advantage. I don't know. I love beating him in that and him shooting baskets because he calls me old man, grandpa, and all this shit. So I want to beat him in something. Uh, you know what? I'm modeling some of the what I do after Tosh. In that he doesn't do any interviews. He's like, I do it enough. He's so he's fucking like, smart. He's so smart. He's like, he knows how to not be overexposed. And I've, I've fucked that up in the past. And now I, I'm just like, when I hear 
when I get requests for interviews, I'm like, what? I've say, I say too much already. Well, first, I'm already talking too you much. You notice I never ask you again because you did me the favor, and I don't want to push it. But the fact is, we had Jamie to fuck around with that time. So no, I will, you know, I'm not going to really nail you on an interview. And make you? Leave. Oh, you mean on your podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's different. I do friends' podcasts all yeah. the time, but it's um like interviews and real shows no. and stuff like that. It's like you got nothing to gain, Joe. Yeah, you're famous enough, and and Daniel's right. I mean, what are, what are you going to get good out of that? Like doing uh, Jimmy Kimmel, uh. doing doing five minutes. I mean, you probably wouldn't want to do the stand up, even though it's your favorite thing. And then you go over to the panel and, you know, like I like Craig Ferguson only because it was improv. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, I think that sitting down and talking to someone should be like this. You really, really, really want to get to know somebody? Oh, yeah. You should talk to them like this. Have a, have a real conversation with them. Having a conversation with someone when you're under the gun of five minutes and, yeah. you know, there's a band there and you're sitting sideways and you're at the yeah. desk and I'm sitting over like this and, you know, we're talking about some project that I'm doing. It's yeah. like a quick pitch you have like a quick story that you can tell and just so i understand you rent a car when you come into town what's that like <laughs> <laughs> that's funny dumb you know uh i do rent a car and i always take the insurance you know why because i drive like a fucking maniac <laughs> you people here on highway 95 what are you nuts what is going on with the drivers in los angeles <laughs> you turn to the audience you know yeah. I, did, I did ferguson show once and he gave me the wrong plug i was I had already worked at De you know the Denver club that you like so much. Comedy Works. Yeah, yeah. I'd already worked that, and he they plugged it on. I said, you know, I came out. I said, Craig, you got a really crack staff here. I already worked that gig. I said, but I'm so hot, I'm white hot in this business. They have to post plug things so there won't be a riot, right? <laughs> and he said, well, we'll just start it over, you know, because they're filming it. I says, no, I, I got a spot in a couple hours. I ain't starting it over. And we got like in a fake argument. It was the most fun I ever had doing uh, live stand up. Because I, I said, let me go go sit in your high chair and judge me like a little joke monkey, and then I'll come <laughs> over and we'll say funny stuff there, too. Well, he's yeah. just doing stand-up now. Yeah, and, and he, he's he, got a he podcast. A show. Yeah, it's on Sirius, too, as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he just got tired of doing his show. Wasn't his name Hitler something? Or Whoa. Hitler? Really? No, I think so. His can... name's Hitler? Craig Ferguson? What kind of a well, fucking asshole for a parent? If you're born no, with the name of Hitler, I don't care how far you get away from that. I, th I can't remember the whole name, but I think Hitler was in the in the name. In the name? Like yeah. Hitlersburg? I don't know. But... Hitlerstein? <laughs> he's, he's Scottish, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah he's got something. What, what is it? It says a Bing Hitler. It was like a, something he did in the 80s, looks like. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Oh, Bing Hitler. Yeah. Oh, was it a oh, character that he was doing? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, I wish we could play it. Oh, Look Jesus at Christ! Look at him. <laughs> That's hilarious. He looks like he's twelve. <laughs> he looks like he's a kid in school. He Look really does. Young face he is with his fake act, with his Is hair it? all fucked up. Give me they some get volume. Everywhere. Wow. Sometimes they get everywhere. That accent, so insane. so much thicker in it. Even in drinks now. Wow. That stuff, mezcal from Mexico. Wow. What the fuck is that about? So he had a character. Yeah. That was the character that he'd do. And the character, he would go crazy with it. Yeah. Well, there was a time, and there still kind of is still a time, where we're enthralled by mediocre people with fake accents. Yeah, yeah. Not fake accents, but, you know, accents from other places. Foreign accents, I should say, not fake. I also, it's like, the thing that bothers me, and I, I love stand-up, and I, I, it was when a guy acts so different, or like all of a sudden he goes into this character. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. 
Instead of, I mean, the funniest guys to me are guys that do characters, but they're themselves. Yeah. And they talk real, like, you know, and that's why, I mean, you and Burr, you're the same guys on and off stage. You know, when we're, we're talking, sometimes you get silly, sometimes you're serious. You right. Be, just be yourself, yeah. I know what you're saying. Be yeah. sincere. But you can be just as fucking goofy as you want, but don't stay in that. Yeah. It's so hacky to me. It can be. I'm always waiting for someone to do it right. Some, I don't want to pass judgment. Like, maybe one guy comes along and he's in character all the time, but it's fucking hilarious. Oh, it's possible. I just, I just watched Jim Carrey on the, uh, the, when he did Andy Kaufman. Yeah. It was fucking amazing. Oh, that was that the documentary. No, that that um, was yeah. That sprang sprang from that. But right. I was watching the the movie last night. I forget what it's called. Uh, something. Man, Man on the Moon. Was, yeah, Man on the Moon. Yeah. Boy, Jim's good. Oh, he's br brilliant. You know what's really interesting with him? He's taken like a severe um, psychological and I guess philosophical turn. Where he's he's just thought about life and things. So he must have had like some psychedelic experiences too. I think so. Sounds like it. Yeah, because he's just talking about like what matters and what doesn't matter. And you know, and there's a bunch of like interviews and uh, clips of him discussing things where you're like, whoa, like this guy does not. He's not talking like Jim Carrey, the world famous yeah. A-list actor who's had gigantic smash movies. He's not talking like that at all. He's like talking like some guy who's just trying to sort of understand his place in the universe. Yeah, in, in yeah, he really is. Really profound way. He's a very well, well thought out guy. Did you watch this well, thing <clears throat> about him painting? No. This came out a couple months oh, ago. Oh, we, didn't we play this where some of his paintings are really cool? They're like in neon and shit? Yeah, but he talks about, he says some of the stuff that he's been thinking about and dealing mm. with and whatnot. So it's called I Need Color and it's on Vimeo. Yeah. So folks, go check that out. Joe, you know, did I tell you about the, the, the little part I have in I'm Dying Up Here? No. Okay, so I play Fitzy Anderson because they wouldn't let me use Fritzy Anderson. Remember Fritzy Anderson? No. The, Is this thing on? Hello? Is oh, your character. Working here? Yeah. Yeah. And they wouldn't let me. It's parents. Why wouldn't they let you? They do said that? Fritzy was a, a slur for, to Germans. What? Yeah, I swear. Oh to, Jesus I know. Christ! So anyway, I go in the comedy store on a Thursday night. Why I was there just to practice. I know, like real. I'm trying a couple lines and doing some shit. And Jim's in the audience. He comes out. He hugs me. Anyway, long story short, he he was with his wife, his ex-wife, and they were their daughter was was ill. Uh, and uh, it's a great girl. She's a really good singer too, by the way. But anyway, uh, they start talking. He said, I forgot how fucking funny Dom was. She go, he goes, I want to put him in this show. And uh, Melissa goes, well, I'll tell you one thing. He's not going to dance for you. You want him? I'll ask him. But he ain't going to audition. He goes, I'm not going to make him audition. I've known him for fucking 30 years. Anyway, that's how I got the part. Isn't that funny? Just randomly. Randomly. He, was, uh, he came in to look for young comedians. I am not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> if you could tell by, by my receding hairline. But... Yeah, I, I mean, isn't that amazing? I mean, just there on a Thursday night, randomly. Is that show still going on? Yeah, we're we're shooting. Uh, they're shooting ten more. I'm, I got a. I know I'm doing uh, an alcoholic, an alcoholic the whole time, which is. I never uh, watched it. I watched one episode and I thought it was pretty good, but I heard that it, it was, got better. Yeah, yeah, I heard that it was improving. That's yeah. what I heard. Well, you know, all those uh, things start. Yeah, off do you clunky. remember Seinfeld at the beginning? I remember News Radio, the show I did in the yeah. beginning. It was clunky. Yeah, it took a while to really get rolling. Yeah, to get the rhythm. Become what it is. Yeah. Sitcoms are very difficult. You know, I mean, one of the reasons why people are like, oh, why aren't there any good sitcoms in the air? 
Well, goddamn, it's hard to do. Well, this is a serious one. Like, I'm kind of the comic relief on this because it's about like comedians, but not like, you know, when we goof around, hi, Joe's a Joe's a frog. Right. They, you don't see hardly any of that. You see them more like jealous of each other. And, yeah. You know, they're showing the d- dark side of it. The woman who plays the Mitzi part is uh, Melissa Leo. She's a, she won the Academy Award for some boxing movie, I forget. Uh, but she she's playing Mitzi really serious. And I don't want to say anything, you know, because she's a great actress. But if I were asked to give one note, I would say they were, Mitzi really had a fun side to her. Mitzi, yeah. by the way, for those of you that don't know, is, is, the, owner, is own, the owner of the comedy store. Pauly Shore's mom. <clears throat> she brought us two things. One of them was awesome. <laughs> no. <laughs> Just kidding, Has Pauly. he been on the show? Yeah, he's been on. Yeah. yeah he, I like Pauly. He's a sweet guy. He's a good guy to be around. Like he gives people hugs and shit. And, and like all of us, yeah, he's, he's trying. He's, he's trying growing. to grow up. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's he had a hard life. I mean, can you imagine being babysat by Sam Kennison? No. <laughs> I mean, what in the fuck kind yeah. of crazy shit is that? Argus Hamilton sleeping yeah. with your mom. Argus and Sam Kennison hanging around your house. Everybody's doing blow. Yeah. And you're going, what, buddy? It's the yeah. weasel. <laughs> he was gigantic at one point in time. Who's Sam? Well, Sam was for sure, but so was Paulie. Oh, Paulie, yeah. Paulie was gigantic. Was it the yeah the weasel? I mean, when he was doing movies like uh, in the army now with uh, Andy Dick, remember that? Jesus Christ, it was huge. He had a three picture deal. And uh, Encino Man, that was another one. Biodome, remember did Biodome? Yeah, with uh, Stephen Baldwin. It was a good movie. I enjoyed it. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> son-in-law. I hear some people talk about son-in-law all the time. Yeah, he's fucking funny. Those movies were fucking funny. Yeah, he I don't know funny. what he did wrong or where it went wrong or, you know, sometimes like, I think people just get bored. They just want some new person, right? I'll tell you who's hot right now is Tiffany Haddish. Oh, Jew, dude. I love that girl. I call you Jew. Jew. <laughs> oh, say, Jew. She is, I was trying to say She's Jewish, by the way. Is she? Yeah, she's Ethiopian Jewish. No yeah. kidding. Yeah. Tiffany Hatch is the person who told me about uh, sickle cell anemia being related to uh, malaria. That people who have a resistance to malaria develop the trait for sickle cell anemia. Wow. And that's, that's where the origins of it are, apparently. Oh. Isn't that that's, crazy? It's primarily a Jewish and, and a black uh, disease, right? More, is it a Jewish m- disease as well? More Jews and, and blacks get it than any other Oh, group. that's interesting. I did not know that. I thought it was just blacks. I had a friend of mine who died from it. My really? Friend, yeah, my friend hey. Walter. Yep. Um, from back uh, when I was uh, fighting, he, uh, I remember him. And I would love to see you fight, Joe. I was a different guy, man. I was very intense. I wasn't very funny. Did you ever think you'd be a comedian when you were in those days? No. Oh. I didn't think I was funny. I made people laugh, but the people that I made laugh were all psychos. They were all like guys that I was training and fighting with. Right, right. And I was just like, I felt like we were all freaks. You know, because we were martial artists that were traveling literally all around the country and entering into these full contact tournaments. And you don't have any terrifying. video? I have some video. There's a video of me on YouTube really? me knocking somebody out. No kidding. Yeah, when I was 19 in Connecticut. You think you could beat uh, me in a fight? Court. No. I couldn't. I love you too much. <laughs> I just hold you. Well, you know what you do, which is really interesting for a str- guy that's strong. You never. That's me right there. This is me in the blue. And I kick that guy and launch oh. him. That's ah. all I have. <clears throat> I have great. some other video on my computer somewhere of some like 
uneventful round of some Taekwondo tournament. There's a guy out there who's got a, a couple of videos of me, though, and he and I have gone back and forth on What uh, way were you? That was 154. I When I was in s senior year in high school, I fought at 140, and it was too light. It was too hard for me. I was always dehydrating myself, and I would, uh, like, uh, do things in the shower like jump up and down in the shower and shadow box in the shower with the the, the hot water on and try to sweat out weight mm -hmm. i couldn't eat for like a whole day and then i would, I would fight that day and it was terrible i did that for one year well, that sounds yeah. horrible my yeah. father was a professional boxer yeah and he uh but he was the bad thing about it he was a 500 boxer oh no and boxing 500 in baseball you're the greatest player ever but boxing right. you you got to be like 800 you know at least yeah, he, especially he, to make a living. When right? he won, he would come home beaten up. Oh, yeah. That must have been hard to see. You yeah, see your dad come home all fucked up. Yeah. yeah. I see people um, that fight in the UFC, and their kids come to hug them at, you know, in the cage. And you know, you see the, the terrified look in their children's face, and they're looking, the guy's eyes all fucked up and yeah. swollen and <clears throat> cuts. And it's a different group, a different type of human being. It does that. I had so much fun, though, the time. You invited me to the one in Montreal where the guy who's the king of Montreal was. George St. Pierre. That was incredible. It was the loudest noise of cheers I've ever heard. Yeah, they love him. And the other one was when uh, we went to the, the place where those, the, those guys who own the uh, Sacramento Kings, the, the play where they have a Playboy Club. And you had a, a fights there. You know what I'm talking about? That. Mm. It's off the strip. Yes, the, the Palms. Palms. Yes, yes. And one of the cool moments, I mean, even though it's, you realize how powerful and how real it is, this kid got knocked out, and I was sitting next to his mother and his uh, wife, mm. and he, he wouldn't wake up for a couple minutes. Then he, then he finally got up. But and then there was another kid who like was like in the in the cartoons. He ran up the wall, and I don't know how the fuck he did it. And he just, his young black kid, he ran up the wall and went upside down, and then landed on his feet. You know what I mean? Yeah, John Dodson. Is that <laughs> pretty sure it was John? <coughs> he does that after fights. He runs up yeah, the wall. Yeah, that's what and does it was flips. after the fight. Yeah. yeah, he's a freak, awesome athlete. Yeah, yeah, that's um, different kind of human being that does that. Oh yeah, to it's to to be in that world. That's a that's a, poof, it's just a, an intense existence that's unlike very many other in yeah. this in this world, other than war. You know, war is probably the most intense existence. Guys who are warriors, actual soldiers. Uh -huh. Other than that, I think MMA fighters, and then obviously first responders, firefighters, yeah. cops, things along those lines. Oh, man. I was thinking about that with those fires this year. Oh, God. My buddy's a firefighter. He was up there. <clears throat> and um, uh, he's in Simi Valley, and they, they shipped him out with everybody else. And he was telling me it was insane. He's like, you, you just, you couldn't stop the fire it was just too yeah. big and then you know that thousands of firefighters and here's the other thing not just thousands of firefighters but prisoners really they had prisoners working the fire and they could get out early maybe i don't think so no. i think they got paid and i don't think they got paid much i think they oh. got paid like a dollar an hour like something fucked up wow. and they're out there working on the fires i'll just pretend i got burned I'll just run into the fire ah. <laughs> i'm free <laughs> <laughs> I got a fake ID. I'm going to Mexico. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm pretty sure they did. I think that's one of the most fucked up things about prison is that they get them to work and they pay them like pennies. I didn't know that. I mean, I know they get them to clean up. Well, yeah. Even if you have a DUI, you can get that, and that would even go into prison. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, you can. You can work it off or pay it off. 
But oh, they, really? like clean the sides of roads. A friend of mine did that instead of he didn't have the money. How much is the money to pay a DUI? Uh, I think it all comes to around 10. 10 yeah. grand? Yeah, I mean, with the lawyer and everything. 10 grand at a dollar an hour is a long time. Oh, my God. If they really pay you a dollar an hour. Yeah. I Well, you know I get that DUI. Yeah. <clears throat> You're just, you just Uber it now most of the time, right? Yeah. I just, Are you drunk right now? No. Do I look drunk? No. <laughs> <laughs> that would be sad. <laughs> I, I get nervous when I talk to you. We've been friends for 30 years almost. Holy shit. Isn't that crazy? We've been friends for 25 years? Somewhere in the neighborhood of 25 years. That's a long time, Mr. Herrera. Yeah. That's well, crazy. Isn't that nuts? Do you think I'd have more material by now? <laughs> <laughs> You've already used it off. <laughs> hey, are you, uh, you're talking about filming something. What do you mean? Are you talking about filming a special? You know what? I did one. Last time I was on the show, you told me I should do one. I did it, and I just didn't like it. Oh, when did you do it? Uh, not for, whatever the last time I was on the show. It's like a year ago, I would imagine. A little more. And then I, I waited about three months, and I, I shot it. And uh, You just decided not to release it? Yeah. What was wrong with it? Like, what didn't feel good about it? I don't know. I just, uh, my ass looked fat. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't like it. I mean, it, it didn't seem to have the energy I thought I have. Hmm. You know. Huh. So it didn't feel to you like representative of a real set that you would have like at a club? Right. Just a normal night at a club. That's all I wanted. Did was, you feel pressure? Because like, that's one of the things that I feel that I always battle when I do uh, a special is that like, here's the moment. It's now. Yeah. Ready, go. And one of the best ways I found to combat that is I do a bunch of shows. I do four shows. Yeah, see, that's now. smart. I did two. Yeah. And two is tight. Yeah. And they were back to back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people clam up. I've seen people do one and it becomes a disaster. You could feel the tightness yeah. on stage because there's so much riding on it. Right. It's just not just a regular show. There's no room really to fuck around. You gotta yeah. have room to fuck around. Like part of what a live show is is yeah. it's flowing. I mean, I would know? like to get myself in a club where I'm half. Once, like some, if something's like worth talking about with an audience member or something yeah. that's really cool, I would do it. But just be a normal club set. That's all right, I want. Right, right, right. Like a, a normal but very strong club set. And, where did uh, you film? Uh, the Laugh Factory in Vegas. Mm. Yeah. That's, remember, that's a... You should do the Laugh Factory in Hollywood. That's a comfortable club for you, and they already set up for filming. Yeah, I know. I could do it any night. Yeah, maybe that's a good move. Well, Jamie wanted to tape me, like, uh, a couple weeks in a row, doing, like, 40 minutes. Yeah. You know. You should. That's See, a great place to do it, Dom, because they, they film you whether you like it or not there. Yeah, well, we <laughs> talked about this. That's not a good sign. <laughs> but they do have the setup. They, they have the setup to film you. The Vegas room is nice. Is it? Yeah. Well, you know, is that the trop? That's a, well. Here's the thing that's great about Vegas, Joe, is that you could do. The, uh, I'm doing the uh, the first week of April, I think. The, uh, the the trop, but then I'll do Brad Garrett's club too, because they don't give a fuck. It's Vegas. Right. Vegas, unlike uh, Columbus, Ohio, they have the same audience pretty much. You know, but uh, there they have the, the audience comes in from far away every week. Mm. You know, so you could play Vegas a lot. That is true. Like, that's one of the reasons why a residency works in Vegas. Yeah, it wouldn't always work people. anywhere else. No. Yeah. Have you ever thought about doing that? A residency? I think, well, I, I think I'd kill myself in Vegas. Just boozing and yeah. hanging out and the, hitting I, I, the rhino at three in the morning. Woo! <laughs> fistfuls of dollars. I go out with this girl, uh, <laughs> and she's got really hot daughters, right? 
I mean, she's hot. The too. girl you're dating? Yeah, she's very hot. But she's always telling me how beautiful her daughters are. I go, look, I, I know, but I don't want st- stop pimping off your daughters to me. <laughs> but I took, <laughs> I, I took him to see Tosh. I was in uh, uh, town for the Super Bowl, and uh, Daniel was at the uh, uh, Mirage. And they got. I forget how big a deal it would be to a sixteen-year-old boy to meet him. And we went mm. back. And he was so, he was so gracious with them. But it was I couldn't believe it because this kid played John Lennon in Love when he was a little kid. So he's got he's been around theatrical people. You know, love that Beatles yeah. thing. Yeah, that and, Beatles uh, thing is fucking amazing. It's good at the it? Mirage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They start start that acapella because yeah, it was very cool. Yeah. Well, I know you're a huge Beatles fan. Yeah, you've always been a big Beatles fan, so. I, I I took my family to see that uh, about a month ago or so. Uh, Went to see that fa- the Mirage. Fuck, it's incredible. It's such a show, man. Isn't it cool to see your kids kind of digging it? Yeah, like it, all those years ago, and you know, I, mean, I know so many little kids that like the Beatles. It's it's weird. They're so good. They were so good, and you and I think it's hard for someone today in 2018 with this vast variety of music that we have and so much good music over the history of music you know oh so much recording that it's hard to understand how in the 1960s how amazing the beatles were yeah that out of nowhere this band out of liverpool right comes out and they just have this revolutionary music it's just so much of it is so different yeah it was very different and they were the ones they added orchestras Mm -hmm. and all this stuff uh, you know, but it reminds me of the uh, the thing we were talking about before of the uh, sitcoms. Mm-hmm. They were given a chance to get better. A lot of people today, if they if they're one with two bad records, they're out. Yeah, and they got some other beautiful girl <clears throat> replacing them. You know, it's true. You know, I, I there's it's the same way with fighters. You know, yeah. I've had this conversation with uh, my friend Brendan Schaub and I were talking about this the other day. That I know guys, Brendan, but, yeah, yeah, big brown uh, guys get into the UFC too young. And then they're fighting top flight competition like right. right away, and it's either sink or swim. Yeah, yeah. And some guys swim, but some guys have real massive potential. But really, they should be fighting someone of a lower caliber and developing their skills sure. and experiencing a bunch of different styles, and then eventually working their way up to the UFC after you know five, six years or so. And instead, they're fighting in the UFC at 20 years old, and they're just not really ready for top flight competition. Because yeah. in the UFC, if you string together five, six wins. You're in title contention in some weight divisions. Yeah, that'll uh, discourage the shit out of you. I mean, yeah, and you're getting fucked up by some guy who's just many, many levels above you. You really shouldn't yeah. be fighting him. Like the flyweight division is a perfect example because it's run by this guy, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. He's probably uh-huh. the best pound-for-pound fighter that's ever lived. And, wow. you know, if you string, saying something, man. He's fucking incredible. And he's, he's a wizard. Like, uh-huh. he barely gets hit. And, you know, and you we've seen him in the octagon develop and grow and become this guy. And uh-huh. now... Now he's just, just uh, there's everybody, and then there's Mighty Mouse. Mighty Mouse is just another level above everybody. I, I never seen anybody as good as Mayweather to, to avoid punches. No one's better. No, no one no one gets hit less. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, guy's 50, you know, and obviously one of them was Conor McGregor, which is kind of crazy. But <laughs> it, Conor hit him, you know. I mean, yeah. Conor can crack, but he just didn't, had no business in the ring, honestly. I mean, we really didn't know if he had business in the ring until he fought him. After the fact, it's easy to say that. Yeah. But, like, he caught him with that uppercut in the first round. What if he wobbled him? What if he hurt him? Oh, you know? anybody can get knocked out, yeah. If, if you get hit right, anybody can get yeah. knocked out. But Mayweather has been hit right where he was hurt. I don't think Conor hurt him. I think he just hit him good. But he's been hurt. Sugar Shane Mosley hurt him. He's been hurt a couple of times in his career. But over the course of 50 professional 
fights where most of them are at world championship level. Right. It's crazy. Remarkable. I was watching, the, they had like a highlights of the MMA on uh, on Fox today, mm-hmm. and uh, Ronda Rousey, when she got kicked in the face. Oh, uh, yeah. Jesus, yeah. What a great kick that was. Holly Holm, yeah. That was in Australia. I remember being there for that. Oh, that was in Melbourne, right? I think it was in Sydney. Oh, was it? <clears throat> yeah, pretty sure Sydney. That was crazy. Might have been Melbourne. You might be right. Might be right. I think you're right. Now that I think about it, I think you're right. Um, no, you're definitely right now that I know it. Um, Stop but, arguing with yourself. Sorry. Leave yourself alone. You're a good person. I'm trying to remember. I love Melbourne. Yeah. Ooh, I love that town. Great restaurants. Fuck, I was just going to say that. Great coffee, too. Donovan's. They have everything. Like, their seafood's fantastic, but it's almost like um, an artsy sort of San Francisco-like. Yeah, San Francisco is the one I compare it to. Yeah, but it's got its own thing. Yeah. Melbourne's got its own thing. Fucking crowds are amazing. Oh, aren't they cool? I know. So fun. Yeah. They're great up there. I did a comedy store in Sydney in between, like, bigger gigs that takes, you know, to make it worth it for them to bring you over there. Mm-hmm. And I love it. I just yeah. love, love the culture and the people. I did that too. Ari and I did the comedy store in Sydney on a Sunday night on a whim. The fights took place early in the day so that it could be oh, on wow. UFC pay-per-view. Uh-huh. And so we called up the comedy store and said, hey, can we do an impromptu show tonight? We'll just put it up on Twitter. And they said, all right, hold on. Let's call you right back. All right, we're doing it. Let's do it. <laughs> and so we put it on Twitter. And then Ari and I went and did a show that night. And the kid, they, they came, huh? Yeah, it was packed. Yeah. It was Isn't that awesome. cool that you have a draw? Like, you helped me get a draw in Australia. Isn't that amazing? Crazy. Yeah, I mean, when I was, you know, when I started out, if you get on The Tonight Show, that would be the first time whole, all of America saw you. Yeah. But the whole world, not like this, the whole world hears this. It's yeah, it's incredible. Weird. This thing's got its own life. I remember when I'm just when here I was, working the wheel. I was at your house one day when, when kind of like you had started, but you said you feel... Forget what the exact word, but a momentum going. When you felt you, you knew something was something incredible was going to happen with this show. Do you remember that? Well, that you just had that. You told me you have a feeling, and you weren't bragging, not at all. But you were just like going with the energy of it, you know. Well, I was I was saying that I felt like there's something going on. Yeah, like this show, like it was just starting to pick up momentum then, and I was like, there's something going on here, and then. I was thinking about what the potential of this was. And at the time when we first started, there wasn't that many people listening to podcasts. It was very small. Yeah. And uh, we were also streaming live on Ustream, and there wasn't many people listening to that either or watching that. But I was like, but this keeps growing. And I, and I knew that I was very interested in doing it, so I knew I was going to get yeah. better at it. And I was always trying to figure out what, what ways I could do it better, how to get out of my own way how to not talk over people, knowing when to talk, when not to talk. Yeah. I had to figure that out. No, it's tricky. It is tricky. Yeah. It's tricky to, um, to pay, you, you have to put yourself in the seat of the person that's listening. And I think listening to podcasts helps that as yeah. well and listening to things that you don't enjoy. So it's one of the things that Stephen King always says about writing is that you should write, but you should also read. You should mm-hmm. read a lot. I think that's the case with podcasts too. I think that's the case with stand-up as well. I think listening to other stand-up is good. As long as you're not getting ideas from them, you know, as long yeah. as you're just enjoying it. Like what the, the good feeling that you get from mm-hmm. watching stand-up, watching someone kill, you know. It's like I, I get inspired by it, and it makes me – and then I see things maybe that are a little clunky in someone's act. Uh-huh. And like, oh, they need to clean that up or tighten yeah. this up. And it makes me more cognizant about those flaws in my own act and makes me more – more self-aware. Yeah, I love to watch, uh, like, say, like Chris Rock when he does 
something and then two weeks later it works yeah and you yeah, see him and, yeah. and, and you know he's got a germ of something there but he's so good at putting it you know setting it up to to be a potentially great bit you know well he's one of the all-time greats for a reason and one of the reasons is he's a real craftsman he's a real artist yeah. you know chris will go in there and he will he's not just trying to kill every time he goes on stage you know he's he's trying to develop material and yeah. he's using that time and it's a very valuable thing for him you know well i, I really believe that this generation is better than the generation I started with, and only because they got to see them and or grow from them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you had to have somebody in the middle because, I mean, honestly, you know, you and Bill to me, I take you and Bill over Pryor and uh, Carlin. That's as, sacrilege. No, I'm, what, I'm serious. I stand ups. But you know, and, and I'm not saying that because you're my friend and we're here. I'm saying it's just I, I've seen these guys. And I loved, I loved them, you know. I mean, I was one of those kids that you know, grew up watching him. But I think it just, uh, you know, this your generation has taken it to a different level. There's, uh, there's definitely a benefit in being able to see the people before you, for sure. Yeah. I've, I've learned a lot watching other comedy, watching people, just getting. You know, we were talking yesterday about Richard Jenny, that um, I think um, brilliant writer. Oh, you're so good. But Every one, time I see a man with sand, sandals, I think of him. Just, <laughs> say, how you doing there, Spartacus? Or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, uh, I was listening to one of his uh, recordings on the way home, uh, a big steaming pile of me, like, uh, I don't know, at least a year ago. It was probably more. But I remember like getting a noticeable bump in my writing after I listened to it because it was so inspiring. Yeah, yeah. And that I think that's a giant advantage that we have today with like YouTube and iTunes yeah. and things along those lines where you can listen to anything you want. Like and go back and I was listening to an old Woody Allen recording the other day. Just in my car driving, I'll listen to Woody Allen do stand up in the 1960s. Yeah, you yeah. could tell he was a fucking pervert even back then. Yeah, well, you know what? There was a line, <laughs> there was a line in love. And <laughs> there was a line in love and death. Remember love and death? Yes. And Diane Keaton goes to this high priest and she steps on his beard. You know, it's a very funny scene. And he says, the most beautiful thing in the world is a 12-year-old girl, blonde hair, preferably twins, right? And this is all this perverted thing. I'm yeah, this, this This happened 20 years, 25 years before he got accused of anything. Yeah. You know, but it was just interesting hearing him because he, he did a couple. He did it even in Manhattan with uh, Hemingway. It was a little bit, little bit twisted, you know. I don't remember Manhattan very much. Well, he falls in love, and she falls in love with him. She's like supposed to be sixteen, and he's. Oh he's, Jesus Christ! Yeah, yeah, well, isn't that something that people tend to do? They try to normalize whatever fucked up perversion oh, yeah. they have, and and they put it into art. Like that was one of the things that they were accusing Louis C.K. of with right. this movie that he released right before it came out that he was jerking off in front of a bunch of people. Yeah. He had this movie. And part of the movie was just talking about how everyone's a pervert. We're all perverts. Well, I'll tell you something off the air. Okay. When we get off, remind me okay. to tell you. I don't want to say it, it on the down. air. Off the air <laughs> with Dom Herrera. That's your new show. Off the air with Dom Herrera. <laughs> all I do is burn people and <laughs> lose any contacts I've ever had. Hey, is this thing on? It's, it's not it's good. Not. Let me tell you a story. <laughs> I got to go in there. Actually, okay. the night that he went, or the the day after he went, I went on stage. I got, I said, I'm so excited. I got a part in, in a Louis uh, C.K.'s new TV show. Should shoot in about 10, 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> and it took him a beat, and then they got it. Yeah. I think he'll be back in a year. 
Well, you know what, Joe? He has that advantage of he was the one that created the idea of selling your own thing, right? I yes. Mean, so he can do that. I mean, he doesn't need a producer for that. That's true. That's true. Um, You'd have him on this show, right? I would 100% have him on. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think he's a different person than when he did those things. I think what those things that he did, jerking off in front of him, punch people's terrible. And I think uh, he probably had an idea in his head of what those things were and of who he was and who he would be. And I think a lot of your self-definitions a lot of times um, are based on uh, this very limited idea of who you are very limited idea of who you're going to be right. and he's like wallowing in his own weirdness and just yeah. wants to jerk off in front of somebody <laughs> you know it's out of all the offenses of things you could do to someone it's one of the least egregious because he's not raping he's as not long as he didn't lock the door he's not yeah he didn't lock the door he's not doing anything awful to someone he's just doing something weird in front of them i think it's beautiful do you <laughs> no no i don't think it's beautiful <laughs> there's a lot of things that i think are beautiful i think it's ape-like it's definitely ape-like. Well, it's it's human-like. Then I batted it out of the air. Because an ape doesn't really care if you're jerking off, if you're watching when he's jerking off. No, he, like could be eat, he could be eating and jerking off at the yeah. same time. Banana in one hand, <laughs> banana in the other. Get it? Hey. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> I did that. Yeah. Um, out of all the things that he did. And I think that his apology pretty was... What's the way to look at it? Um, I think it was honest. And I think it, it sort of explained how his mind worked and why he did it in the first place. It's, not, he's, it's obviously not something he's proud of. It's obviously no. something he's disgusted by himself. And you can't... Here's the thing. You jerk off in front of someone 10 years ago. How do you fix that? You don't do it again. Yeah. And he hasn't done it again. Here's the thing. No one's saying he's done anything in a long time. Like, all the accusations were like... I want to say they were from... They were from years ago, right? What do you do? Like, how do you fix that? Like, so let's say you did jerk off in front of a few people, Dom. Like, you know, like, I don't know what it came I over me. I jerked off in front of a blind lady. Does that, that still count? It depends on how good her hearing is. Oh, you're right. And she's hearing. <laughs> yeah, you're right. She's like, what are you doing over there, Dom? My no, bad. Nothing, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and she has to guess. It's all fucking guesswork. Uh, what do you, how do you fix that? Like, what does a guy do to fix that? I mean, I think out of all the people, like, how the fuck would you rehabilitate Harvey Weinstein? How do you let Harvey Weinstein yeah. around a woman again? How do, you, how do you leave Harvey Weinstein in a hotel room with yeah. a woman who comes in for a meeting or Co an Cosby office? Cosby was the worst, though. He's the worst. He's the worst. I don't think you could rehabilitate him. How, what no. do you do? How do you, how, do you, uh, how do you fix that? The only way Cosby gets rehabilitated, um, I mean, not really rehabilitated, but the only way he gets reintroduced into society is if everyone believes those girls are lying, and that's, well, that's never going to happen. It's impossible. Because everybody heard those stories a long time yeah. ago. I, when I, I did Star Search in, like, 83, and he was the uh, guest host, and we were hearing shit about him on the set then. Really? Uh, womenizing and stuff. Yeah, I mean, of course, not, not as extreme as uh, drugging, you know, drugging them and, right. and raping them. But, like, if you're a guy like Louis C.K., how do you... What do you do? Like, what would he, what could he have done before the story came out that he's doing that to girls? What what could he have done to to make amends? I mean, what could he have done? He said sorry to some of the people. I don't know. Why are you looking at me like that? I don't. I'm just trying to think. <laughs> I'm just trying. I'm, you're my friend. I'm looking at you. Okay. You're right there. <laughs> I'm just thinking. Like, what would one do? I mean, it seems like. Let's. I mean, I'm not exonerating him, right? But it seems like. 
all these years since then, he hasn't done it again, right? So if he hasn't done it again, he must understand that there's something wrong with it. Yeah, there's right. some weird compulsion. And, and it had to be a power thing because anybody could get a hooker and right. do that. Mm -hmm. you know. Well, here's the thing. He's probably doing that too. Yeah. I mean, if he liked jerking off in front of people, he might have just liked jerking off in front of all kinds of people. He might have jerked off in front of hookers too. I mean, I'm, I don't know. So, but we know that he did it in front of women that really didn't want him to yeah, do that's, that. That's what I thought might be part of the kinkiness of it. Yeah. But there's some stories of him doing it in front of women, and they thought it was hilarious. Uh, he did it well, in front of some female I, comics, and they thought it was hilarious. How do you stay hard when they're laughing? you got to be a real animal. <laughs> <laughs> it's better than better man than me, Dom. I did a line. <laughs> Joe, I don't know what you think of this line, but I, Woody Allen, uh, I said it, mentioned him on stage, and these women started booing. I said, why are you booing? And they said, because of what he did and the daughter and all this. I said, look, I don't know. I said, but the one thing you got to admit, he, he really must love her because it's not like she's hot. You know, <sighs> I know. But that got a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> when we get off stage, I'll tell you uh, one Tony Hinchcliffe's new bit. I can't say it on stage. But I'll, I'll tell you on stage when you tell me your thing on stage. What, uh, Tony yeah. Hinchcliffe has a new bit that's fucking ruthless and killed me. And we came up with it in the car. This weekend, we're on a road trip, and uh, we were talking about something, and he said it, and uh, I, I fucking died. I said, you got to say that on stage. He goes, seriously? I go, you got to say that on stage. <laughs> yeah, I'll, he's I'll funny. tell you. He did it last night, and the room fucking exploded. You had to come back and do the show when I do it. What show? His show. His show, Kill, Kill Tony. Tony? I don't like to work Monday nights. Oh, yeah. Well, you got to. I have a schedule now. No, you got to see the family. I yeah, agree. but I have a schedule now on Monday. Sundays and Mondays. Sunday, yeah, Sundays and Mondays is a, extreme family time. I Good. Just, I don't do jack shit. No, because you won't have these days, and they, and they grow up so fast, not to get corny, but it's enjoy true. them. Yeah, it's true. Um, I'm enjoying it. I'm, I'm happier now than I've ever been in my life. Good. That's great to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm also, I think I'm a nicer person now than I've ever been in my life. Way, way, way nicer. Jeez. You <laughs> have much to compare with. <laughs> you little prick. <laughs> what I think it just makes you, uh, you know, Dave Chappelle said this to me once, and I think it was a really great quote. He said, not only has having children made me, um, made me love someone more than I ever thought I could, it's changed my capacity for love. And that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, my capacity for love is much greater. I'm like, that makes sense. Like you realize, like eh, a lot of our struggles and a lot of the shit that we we go through in this life, it's a, a lot of it is about perspective, and a lot of it is about who's around you and what kind of loving environment you're around. And it's also having kids and not having the strain, the financial strain, the emotional strain, and the ignorance strain that my parents had and their parents had. Like, ignorance yeah. is a big thing, too. Like, they didn't know how to raise kids back then. Of course not. They hit us. They, you know, they yelled at us. And they didn't know. I mean, my mom didn't hit me. But, you know, it was a common thing for yeah. people to hit their kids. I remember Bruce Willis said to me one time, to be a name dropper, he said, that, you know, one of the things about having kids, he goes, his little girl, I forget the middle, middle one's name, he said she would wake me up to walk her to the bathroom, and, she, and and to her, I wasn't a movie star. I wasn't any. I was daddy, right? Because she's afraid of the dark, walking her in, you know. Yeah. And he said that really made, made humanized him and made him feel good, because you know, you know what it's like. You get stroked all the time. It's like sometimes you just want to be normal. Well, not only that, when Bruce Willis was famous, there was way less famous people. 
because there was no famous internet personalities. There was no famous right. reality TV stars. There was way less famous rappers and there was way less famous comedians. Think well, of how few famous comedians there were. Yeah. Well, that's back why in the we day. all, like me and Dice and guys that were on Rodney specials, we were really fucking lucky <laughs> because we became instant draws. I paid to see you yeah, after you yeah. uh, were on uh, Ronnie's special. Right, were you at I, Nick's, right? Yeah, I went to see you at Nick's, and I went to see you two nights in a row. Because one night, I thought you were supposed to be there, and either you missed your flight or something happened, and Dennis Leary was there instead. Uh -huh. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and so we came back the next day, and we saw you again. But Who, um, who were you with? A, a girl that I was dating. Her name was Stephanie. She was, uh, she was telling me what to do. She was older. Oh, really? She was a, <laughs> the dominant one? She was. It was the first girl. She was 25. I was 21. She's sick. She liked the dick, though. I'll tell you that. Woo. Like a, bit, a little bit of the old schlazeel? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was what was exciting about it. She was the first woman I dated. Like, you know, she was a woman. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, I had dated girls before that. That girl was a woman. And, you know, she was fucking smart, too. I prefer girls who are a woman's age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was... Um, she was just intense. She'd tell me what to do with stand-up, too. She'd give me stand-up really? advice. Really? Yeah. It's kind of hilarious. I saw that Seinfeld episode where the girl broke up with him because of his act. Oh, really? No, oh, no, so no. fucking funny. She goes, uh, I, I don't think this is going to work. He goes, why? We're having a great time. She says, well, your act with the, I never notice. And all. She goes, that's not my style of comedy. He goes, you're breaking up with me because of my act? She goes, yes, I am. And that was the end of the, that was the, end of the show. That's hilarious. Well, if you were a girl and you were a huge comedy fan like imagine if you were a girl and you just you love Chappelle and Bill Burr and Dom Herrera and Duncan Trussell and Joey Diaz and all these great comedians and then you, you start dating a prop act hey, right. and he's the worst prop act yeah it's like fucking Stu he's got a, a soundtrack he has to play hit the music and he fucking <laughs> drops down and comes up with an outfit I on. said hit it it's well, terrible know, so, jokes. And Sophie told me that she would she couldn't go out with me if she didn't like my act. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, if you're a comedy fan, I mean, if you're a music fan, how the fuck could you date a guy who's got terrible songs? Yeah. How could you? It would be rough. You know, if you're a, a bad accountant, you know, but you're a great guy, you'd probably still get a date. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you know? But if you're fucking terrible at the thing that someone loves... Right. Well, it's so much more personal than than uh, debits and credits. You know, it's like yeah. your stand up is you, a reflection of you. Generally, I mean, if a good good stand up yeah. is, you know, one of the most personal things. I think music, stand up, maybe writing. Writing's pretty personal. Yeah. Yeah. But stand up, a really good stand up, re reveals something of themselves. You feel like you know them for sure. Something you relate yeah, to them for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's um. I mean, there's more famous stand-ups today. I was talking with uh, Jeff Wills from uh, Live yeah, Nation. I know, I know Jeff, yeah. Jeff and I were talking about the, the number of guys today and gals that can sell out big-ass theaters. And it's nuts. He's yeah. like, dude, 20 years ago, there was nobody. There was like a, a handful. Everybody worked the clubs, and there was a few George Carlins out there. Yeah, yeah. You know, a few Chris Rocks or, you know, whoever it was at the time that could sell out a theater. And yeah. now, like, fucking everybody's selling out these theaters. It's crazy. Well, if they have the right social media, yeah. Social media. Um, but they still have to have an act, because they'll sell out once, sure. maybe twice, right. but then then it's done. That's what happened with a lot of those people from uh, that uh, that stand-up competition show. 
Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, last comic stand. Yeah, they went around once. Then the ones that were good, like Alonzo Bowden, Eliza. Yeah, the, Eliza's probably the most successful out of that group. Yeah, she's done more. I oh. think she's had more um, specials. She she sells out everywhere. She does good sized theaters. Yeah. She's selling out. She just sold out her whole tour. She probably has the most success. She works hard. Yeah. She does work hard. That girl kicks ass. Like she doesn't fuck around. She told me something so funny when she was on my podcast. Him, her, this when Jamie still did it, and she goes, "I have a great body, you know." <laughs> she has, she has sweat, sweatpants on. So I'm thinking, well, I, no, I don't know. She, show it for God's sakes. Wear a skirt. I don't know. And then she'd tell you you're some piece of shit for asking no, a show. No, but I mean, I don't, I don't know what to tell her. Like, yeah. you know, well, she's she, funny. She's she's a aggressive girl. When she was on my podcast, it's the the fucking comments were hilarious. Like, men either love her or they fucking hate her. Like, I've heard the thumbs up to thumbs down versus Eliza, like on, on the podcast, the yeah. thumbs up versus thumbs down. She got, like, one of the worst ratios of anybody that's ever been on the podcast. Really? Yeah. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed talking to her. I like her. I'm not threatened by confident, I would say, cocky women. doesn't threaten me. Yeah. But for a lot, because I'm not threatened by confident, cocky men. I'm around them all the time. Of course. Um. It doesn't bother me. I don't judge you by it. I, maybe I feel like it's silly sometimes with some people. If yeah. they're too confident or too cocky or they're too dismissive of other people, I think it's silly. But I don't get mad at it. I would have when I was younger. Yeah. When I was younger, uh, someone that was like cocky or overconfident or just, you know, just, I would just, I'd feel threatened by it or I'd be upset by it or I'd, I'd judge them. You know, in a weird way where yeah. I would connect all my own shit to them, get upset at them. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, you know, I definitely, uh, I, I definitely have trouble with attitude. I'm thinking, you know, how lucky you are. You know, how lucky we are to be in this. Yes. Are you out of your fucking mind. You know, yeah. it's like to work. Well, one of the things about you, Dom, you're always super supportive of young guys and you, oh, and girls too. You've always been like real supportive. Of uh, well, thanks, young Joe. comics, I, you know, I th I think you should be, you know. It's I like, think so too, and I, I've learned a lot of that from you. Oh, cool, man! That's nice to say. I, I was thinking about Tiffany because Tef Tiffany means a lot to me. You know, I taught her at uh, comedy camp when she was a teenager, and I, I've seen her through. Really? Yeah, I've seen her through a bunch of struggles. You That's know, crazy. Foster homes and she kept trying to keep her family together. So I had her on a podcast, and she said, you know. She was saying, back in the day, she goes, I wanted to fuck you, <laughs> right? And I said, I said, first of all, Tiffany, you're like a goddaughter to me. It never crossed my mind, and it really didn't, even though I think she's a beautiful girl. And I said, the second thing is, I'd never take my pants in front of you. I said, no, I got this beautiful black girl going, you call that a dick? <laughs> <laughs> That's my biggest fear. <laughs> it's funny watching her blow up. She's hilarious, and she took to it like a duck to water. Oh man! Like what, immediately talk got about a, confidence. A, oh, she's got massive confidence. Yeah, but immediate, like, like almost like she feels like that's where she was always meant to be. Like she's yeah. just waiting for the bell to ring. You know, when, when she did Colbert, honest to God, I was sitting there crying. I swear, not crying to be, happiness. Yeah, was so, that's awesome. No, jealousy. I was bitter. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, how'd she get on this show? And I. I love Colbert. I, he doesn't even return my calls. I've got Trump jokes, too. Ah! 
That's all that show is these days, right? Well, I don't think it'd be on the air if it wasn't for Trump. It would be on the air. I don't know, Joe. Yeah. They were dying. They were they were way behind. Not like all well, about right. my Nielsen ratings all of a sudden. But they were behind, right? They were way behind. And Fallon. then he went for it. Yeah. Now, when now, when he called the, the president's mouth uh, Putin's cock holster, <laughs> I was like, holy shit! I can't wow. believe he said that I on didn't the hear air. That. You didn't hear that? No. He went on this epic rant about Trump. And then uh, he said something about his mouth being Putin's cock holster. Wow. And I just, and they beeped out cock, obviously. But yeah, it's pretty obvious what he said. But I'm sitting there going, what is going on with late night TV? Yeah. Well, you know, Kimmel's been on a run lately of crying and yeah. talking about Crying? <laughs> he is. He does. He's, I think he breaks down like every night now at one uh, point in the It's good for ratings. It's really good for ratings. Well, good, he's a sensitive guy. It's a good way to cut the commercial. He's a legitimately sensitive guy. Yeah. He's a very nice guy. I like Jimmy Kimmel, Kimmel is a yeah. very, very good good person like he he's a genuine nice guy with a real heart and he really does care you know i remember he cried after the vegas shooting he's from vegas oh. did he cry recently was it the school shooting yeah yeah but that was brutal the, she's fucking the girl shootings. that i go out with was there that night and she was at the trap and all the people came running down into the trap oh jesus you know? So New Year's Eve, I'm with the her. Vegas shooting. Yeah, yeah. And, and people they had to stay there for a couple hours. They had everything under lockdown because they didn't know who had guns and who didn't. They didn't know if it was one person or fifty people. Right. And she, they're at, she's at the trap, and uh, she got kind of traumatized by it. So New Year's Eve, we're walking outside, and all of a sudden she starts shaking, and she was having an anxiety attack. You know about being in a crowd. So I was just fucking her, trying to make her laugh. I said, no, don't, don't worry about it. And then when we're, you know, the fireworks, I said, all I really care about is fireworks. And you took that away from me because of your selfish feelings, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I got her laughing anyway. Yeah. Ugh. The fucking, the, the volume of them. It's just, it seems like every couple months there's some new one. Remember when Columbine, we thought this is terrible and right. this won't happen again. It's, yeah. it's like there's so many now, you, you, you know, you get used to it, which is sad. Yeah. It's fucking crazy, and I don't know what the answer is, you know? I don't know if it's uh, tighter gun control. I don't know if that would stop them, because it would just make it more difficult to get guns, but would that be enough? I mean, but we're not doing anything. Well, interesting I think we gotta try enough. something. I don't know what to do. I mean, and there's also the number of people that are on psychiatric medication. It's fucking crazy. Well, I think that for the M15s or whatever they are, they shouldn't they are. be sold. They shouldn't be. I mean, I, you, you really need that to, to kill a pheasant? It's not a, a hunting gun, really. Yeah, the guy who designed them said he it was, it was made it for war. Yeah, the real, real guns for hunting are usually, usually bolt-action rifles, which means um, you have a, a round. You have usually two or three in the magazine. You have a, a couple or one in the chamber. You put it in there. You lock it in place. You clamp it down. And uh, you fire a shot, and then you have to bolt it again. You have to use the, the action again. The shell pops out, and another one goes in. Bolt that down, and then you get another yeah. shot. It's a very slow thing. Yeah, like it like takes a couple modern seconds. Day musket. Whereas these ARs, you're like, tack, 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 tack. Oh, man. Or with the bump stocks, they, apparently the president wants to ban bump stocks. What well, the bump stock is, Oh yeah. it's a stock where um, you pull back on it, and apparently you push forward and pull back at the same time. I don't know. I might be fucking this up. But the, the thing is the stock makes the, the trigger go like that, 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 right. where it's almost like an automatic weapon. And the, Trump just decided to ban those. And there's a lot of people that are up in arms about him banning those. Like these, the gun rights people don't want to lose anything. 
They don't want to lose any rights. Right. They don't want to lose any fucking crazy ass weapons. They think that any slip is uh, is eventually going to lead to them getting their guns taken away. Like I follow a bunch of NRA people and gun people on Twitter and Nobody's Instagram. Nobody's going to take their guns away. They well, think they are. They think they are. I mean, I, I agree with you. I don't think that's ever going to come to that. But no. the idea that tighter regulation um, is bad, I don't think that's true. I think, uh, I think, first of all, you should have to go through some sort of examination. If you can go through exam, you don't, you can't drive a fucking car unless you prove that you know how to right. operate a car. Like someone has to be there with you that's an expert, who's a driving expert right. who watches you. They watch, make sure you know what to do. What do you do here at this light? Do you know how to hit the brakes? Do you stop perfectly? Do you t look left mm -hmm. and right before you turn? All that shit is super important if you want to drive. How the fuck is it not super important if you operate a goddamn firearm? I know. I don't understand. I, like the kid who, who bought the, I think the kid who did the, uh, the latest shooting in Florida. Mm -hmm. I, I think it was, if I'm, if I'm putting two stories together, I don't know. But apparently he was underage and had fake ID and still was able to buy it. I don't know. I didn't read that story. Maybe, you know. I, I avoided the story. I saw the kid's face. It's heartbreaking. And I saw the, it's, it's fucking insane. And then you hear all the stories about kids that were saying that they knew that this kid was going to be a, a school shooter anyway. Wow. Uh, they, they, they were saying in, in the past. That, and then one of the things he wrote, he wrote it on Facebook or something, that he wants to be a professional school shooter. Wow. And then two years later, and he got visited by the FBI. The FBI actually checked this fucking kid out, talked to him about it, and decided he wasn't a threat. How do you decide someone's a threat or not a threat? Well, if you're talking to them, they're a threat. I mean, they maybe may, I can't talk to everybody, but I, I would I would be suspicious of anyone that it took that much energy to go find. How did they find him? Why would they Why would they even question him? Yeah, um, I think people were saying that he's a fucking psychopath. Yeah, <sighs> it hurts. It's just sad. It's just fucking sad that. It's sad that anyone could do that. It's sad that anyone would be hurting and so fucked up that you could take a child. Imagine you have a kid, right? You got a little Dom Herrera, little tiny baby. And he's just a cute little fella, little tiny baby. They don't know anything. They With giggle the when you tickle them. And then from there, one day, that becomes a, a school shooter. Oh, my God. That's what people have to take into consideration. Yeah. This, this boy, this 19-year-old boy who did that was a baby at one point in time. He's yeah. a failed process a failed product whether it's um through his environment his family his dna all the above his life experiences all the pain the trauma mental illness all these various factors but that used to be a baby probably the cutest little fucker yeah. probably hold him and cuddle him he'd go to sleep in your arms and one of the things that's changed with me since uh and it changes a little bit every day i feel like every day i just get a little bit more compassionate and more understanding and I'm, I work towards it it's something I really think about but having children I, I think of people as they used to be a child they yeah. used to be a baby I think of that with the homeless people yeah you see them lying too. there yeah. under all those blankets and stuff you think this was born this person was born to somebody yeah you know. I was thinking that the other day I was at coffee bean and um, I knew a homeless guy was there from the smell I was pouring cream into my coffee. I wouldn't have smelled them, Joe. You wouldn't have, right? You were just talking about this <laughs> yeah. before the podcast. Your sense of smell's no good. <laughs> so good. Um, anyway, the guy smelled so bad that um, he was dressed fairly normal. Like, he wasn't disgustingly dressed. I had to look at him to, to, to recognize, like, oh, this guy's homeless. Right. 
I looked over and he just fucking stunk. It was rough. I mean, he just stunk. And I looked over and the guy's sitting there with his head in his hands like this, like, like he's probably just full of, you know, terrible anxiety or thoughts or depression or whatever it was. But I was thinking there when I'm pouring cream in my coffee, I was like, that was someone's little boy. Yep. That was someone's little boy. And now here he is. He looks like he's in his 60s and he's all fucked up and smells like shit. And he's sitting there in this coffee bean and he's sitting by himself with his head in his hands and everyone's avoiding him. They're all just moving around him. And Yeah. If you think of life like that and you think of people like that, it's easier to be humanized. Yes. I, I like when we were talking about Louie and not to knock Louie again, but... This kid, I was, I was working the brokerage in Long Island, and he comes in with his mom to see me. And he said, I don't think what Louie did was that bad. He didn't rape her or anything. I said, well, what about if he did it to your sister? He goes, I'd fucking kill him. I said, well, that should tell you something. First yeah. of all, you shouldn't kill him for that. But, you know, if it bothers you enough, you know, that's somebody else's sister. Yeah. And I, you know, and, and, you know Louie apologized, and I'm not trying to... to jump on him again but i mean you got to know how you'd feel about it when it was personal yeah well the louis one's so weird well that it's very weird yeah it's the weirdest one ever it's not like you're with someone and you're making out and you pull your dick out and yeah she grabs it and stop it i'm getting hard over here (laughs) (laughs) i mean this is this is not not in the act of intimacy it's no, just, there's uh, no touching. There's not not even verbal abuse. <laughs> the only thing you touch is yourself. <laughs> maybe there's oral b- abuse, like as in sound. Like maybe you wait, made weird noises. <laughs> you make that face too. <laughs> are we on camera? We are on Ooh. camera. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how many people make a Ric Flair when they come. What's that? You know when Ric Flair. Do you remember Ric Flair? No. You're talking to the Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, jet flying, oh, he's a, limousine riding. He's a fighter? No, he's a, a pro wrestler. Oh, that's a, that's what I meant. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's fucking just, he is, uh, he's an American iconic character, not just a, a pro uh, wrestler, like an American icon, icon. But to this day, I'll talk about Ric Flair on stage and point the microphone in the audience and the audience just goes, woo! <laughs> Now, who there is he the guy is right that, there. Nature Boy, Ric oh, Flair. Wow. I don't remember him. Who is the guy that <laughs> Muhammad Ali modeled his, was it Gorgeous George? He modeled his, he, he always talks about talking? Gave, yeah, he, he gave oh. credit to this guy that's a professional wrestler. Oh, no kidding. That's I interesting. Was, I think it was Gorgeous George. Could be. Mind. There was a lot of those guys back then. Yeah. Remember, you remember Killer Kowalski? Yeah. You remember him? Yeah. The Claw. Grab your head. Oh, uh, is that what it, remember? Yeah. Who was the one, the Cocoa Butt? Uh, Bobo, <laughs> Bobo Brazil. <laughs> Bubba Brazil did the coke, uh, and uh, there was uh, Bruno San Martino. Mm, Bruno Italian. San Martino, interesting. He was he was a world champion. How Muhammad Ali's fascination with pro wrestling fueled his career inspired MMA. Interesting. Gorgeous George, that's what, crazy. You're right. Gorgeous George. Right? Yeah. Interesting. What's a stupid ad you have to watch for the Olympics there? Boy, I'm this Olympics is. I think uh, I'm going to say this. I think the Olympics are gross. This is why I think the Olympics are gross. I think it's a great opportunity for all those athletes. I think it's great for people to watch it. But I think it is a fucking disgusting money grab. And all those amateur, air quotes, athletes don't get paid shit. I know. And these companies are making billions and billions of dollars off of them. And I really wish they would all quit. I really wish they would say, fuck you, pay me. 
I really wish they would just yeah, go they, straight Ray Liotta. They give Fuck up their, you, they, pay me. <laughs> they give up their their youth for that. Not only that, the fucking companies, they're so restrictive. They're, the IOC yeah. and all, the, all the, the people that are behind it are so restrictive, and they are making ungodly sums of money. Ungodly contracts. They're just giant contracts to air the the Olympics. Wow. Giant amounts of money to build these stadiums and set up these uh, these events and everything is about na nationalism and national pride. Whether it's in Korea or Russia or wherever the fuck they do them, but meanwhile the athletes don't get dick. They don't get dick. If you're lucky and you're Michael Phelps, you become famous out of it and you get a bunch of uh, commercials, you know, commercials and endorsements, and you make a shitload of money yeah. that way. But how many Michael Phelpses are there? Was it three or One. four? I mean, how many? But how many in the, all the all the Olympics? And out of all the Olympics, Jamie, you're a sports fan. Out of all the Olympics, say like the Olympics this year. Well, let's go to the last one. Who the fuck came out of it? Were there a household name? Oh yeah, right now you got Sean White and maybe okay. The, I heard of that guy, yeah, the girl that won. Uh, Kim is her last name. Well, who's the one that won the who's right? the one that won the bronze yeah. last night or two nights before? The real famous. Uh, There's Lindsey Vaughn. That's She's who, very that's famous. Who, uh, yeah. She's very famous, and she she used to date Tiger Woods. Yeah. That made her famous too. Plus, she's hot. That makes her famous. There's been others like Peekaboo <laughs> Street. Hot. She had interesting names, so like yeah. that helped her. She's a gold medal winner, I believe. How many other ones are there? There's a few. I mean, it's just like a handful. Yeah. They can build a story around someone, then they can yeah. sell a story. But but when you get to the point where it's worthwhile to sacrifice your entire life and it actually pays off, what are the what are the odds? It's so fucking small. But meanwhile. People are tuning in to all of it. They're making massive amounts of revenue from all of it, and they're not sharing it with the athletes at all. I think it's fucking gross. They pretend it's amateur. They yeah. pretend it's an amateur. It's a goddamn motherfucking business. That's what the Olympics are. Well, There's, you can say oh, that about college sports, too. You can. You but, I mean, you should. Basketball and football, really. NCAA says student athletes shouldn't be paid because the 13th Amendment allows unpaid prison labor. What the fuck? Oh, that's Sean King. Now, the, this Click is breaking off. This is, uh, this is, Find me another article. Well, this was the <laughs> main one going around, but there's a. Uh, uh, that's crazy. Did they really say that? Did yeah. they really say that the 13th Amendment, which cited, allows unpaid prison labor? They cited in a lawsuit uh, response to a motion oh, to dismiss, God. and they, that's what they use. That's so disgusting. Yeah. They're so disgusting. They're the same to me. NCAA, the college football and basketball, same thing to me. They have 100,000 people. Yeah, fuck you. Pay those guys. Pay them. Pay those girls. Pay all those athletes. You're making money. You're making money and you're not sharing it with the athletes. They might as well be slaves. They might as well be fucking prisoners. The Olympics, NCAA, all that shit. It's just, there's no way, there's no way you could do that fresh today. If you started from scratch no, today no and said we're going to make billions of dollars and we're going to give you ungats, ungats <laughs> <laughs> go. There was no way we're you could give never you an do education. it. Imagine if they did that with the Olympics today. They said, "Look, we're going to spend billions of dollars in athletes. What are they going to pay? Oh, we're not going to pay them shit. They don't get anything. You're Matter of fact, if you make country. any money, you're fucked. You're out. <laughs> it used to be that if you made money, you're out. But now they let basketball players play in the Olympics. They let the NBA players." Because of, I think it was Russia was was getting close and beat and they beat us once in '72 I think. Oh, is that what it was? But, uh, they, they started thinking about it then when they we got they were catching up. The European players were catching up. Mm. They go fuck this. We're going to send over our brothers. NBC Sports is about to make 1.4 billion dollars in 22 days. 
Thanks to the Super Bowl and the Winter Olympics. Okay. The uh, Super Bowl, at least, is professional athletes. I get well, they that. they get paid, yeah. They get paid. Whether they get paid enough is up for debate. I get that. But the Olympics, they're not getting paid dick. And it's fucking gross, and it makes me angry. And it's one of the reasons why I don't watch the Olympics. I get mad at it. You know, I wanted to be in the Olympics at one point in time. To fight? I wanted to be in the, when Taekwondo was being introduced to the Olympics oh, in wow. 1988. Uh -huh. I tried out for the national team. I got it to like the quarterfinals in Miami. I won three fights. And wow. it was, um, that was the last, like my, my last, uh, my really last fascination with Taekwondo. I'd kind of given up on Taekwondo really before it. I'd started kickboxing already. And I realized the limitations of Taekwondo. What is that? The, the hands um, punching to the face. Taekwondo, you don't punch the face. You punch the body and you kick to the face and kick to the body, which no, is that. yeah, it's a diff very different thing because it's so easy to punch someone in the face comparatively and so hard to kick someone in the face. So the 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 dexterity of the legs, like for people that know how to kick, it's just, it's just you develop much more leg dexterity and you get way better at kicking and moving your legs, right. but as soon as you fight a good boxer, you realize how poor the like the balance is between your hands and your feet. Now I had to really develop my hand techniques. And so I was really concentrating on boxing at that point in my life, like really learning how to box and learning how to punch correctly and learning how to put kicks together with punches. Cause you just, there's a bunch of stuff that you can get away with if someone's not punching you in the face that you can't get away with as soon as they start doing it. And I was already kind of disillusioned cause I was learning. I was just learning that it was very flawed. And then I started doing Muay Thai with leg kicks. And I realized, like, well, Jesus Christ, like, as soon as you kick the legs, like, this, most of this shit's out the window. Right. It changes what's abil what, what you can and can't get away with. What do you think is the most le lethal of martial arts? The best martial art to learn for yeah. someone for self-defense? Or, or even fighting them, for beating them in the fight. It's hard to beat wrestling. Because wrestling, you d dictate whether or not the fight stays up or goes to the ground. Right. Where wrestling is like, in my opinion, the best base. But once you um, once you've passed that, then it's about submissions. So it's wrestling and then submissions. Because if a guy has wrestling, he can take you to the ground and punch you in the face and stuff like that. But if the guy on the bottom is good at jujitsu, he might still be able to submit you, like the early UFC days. Hoist Gracie submitted much larger people, like Dan Severn, off of his back, and Dan Severn was a real world-class wrestler at the time and mm -hmm. hoist submitted him off his back with uh, jujitsu because he didn't know jujitsu well, so i think wrestling the ability to take someone down is probably number one but jujitsu is a very close second because the problem with jujitsu is if a guy knows how to wrestle really good and he can keep you standing up if he's better at punching and kicking he could fuck you up standing up and you'll never get the fight to the ground to use your jujitsu because well, his wrestling could also keep the fight standing the wrestling dictates where the fight takes place. That, to me, is like the most critical thing. Like you have, if you're a wrestler, you have the ability to take someone down, you have the ability to stand up, and you have the ability to keep someone from taking you down. Those are, those are giant. Like that, to be able to choose where the fight takes place um, is giant. That's but, cool. But when I was doing Taekwondo, there was really no MMA. No one had ever even invented it. Like I stopped fighting in 88, I think. 88 or 89, I'm not exactly sure. I was doing comedy at the time, too. When, uh, did I, when did you say we met? Not we met in then? 93, I think, or 92. Might have been 92. So I was, I was probably with Kim at the time. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I, I was done fighting then. I was done. But I was still thinking about it. I was still thinking about it for years. You know, if everything went wrong, comedy uh -huh. fell apart for me. 
maybe I'd take a fight, you know. When did you know that the comedy wasn't going to fall apart? <sighs> a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Two weeks. <laughs> it was looking good. I was, I was driving one of my four four cars. I was driving my one car over to the other car. Uh, I was like, it might work out. Sell all this and just live modestly. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, I guess, really, I really, really didn't think it was going to work out until I was on TV, you know. Then I was like, hey, this might be all right. Yeah. But I, that's a good thing, though. The not knowing if it's going to work out is what keeps you hungry. I think the worst thing in life could ever happen is you get an inheritance. Kind of takes the incentive away, huh? Just why? Yeah. You, you're not scared. If you're not scared about the future, you're not scared about what the fuck's going to happen. You, you have to. That yeah. feeling of not knowing is awesome. I mean, that, that feeling creates movement and anxiety and energy. Like some of my best sets I've ever had and my, the biggest jumps I've ever had in my life, in my career, mm -hmm. have been after I'd had terrible sets. And some of my best moments in life as a person have been after I felt terrible. Like yeah. after I just I fucked something up or I did something stupid. And I'm just like, how could I do that? Like, what the fuck is wrong with me? And then you feel like shit for a few days. Yeah. And then you emerge out of it like a phoenix from the ashes. And you feel you're a better person because of that bad feeling. Like those bad moments, like don't just drown them out. Don't take pills. Don't, don't just drown them out. Sometimes those bad moments are an incentive for you to move forward and progress. I remember when I did the Tonight Show the first time, it was not fun because it was like the imprimatur. It was like was the, it Johnny yeah, Carson? Uh, wow. And it was like... Uh, what was that like? It was terrifying. I went to run into the woods <laughs> in, in, in Burbank, uh. Burbank and start a new life. <laughs> I, I swear to God, I just, I was so fucking... Small patch of woods. I was scared. Yeah, I know. But, uh... You, you see know your I, tent from the street. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I did, Joe, after the, after my set? What? I went and did a set at the comedy store. Oh, wow. Yeah, I just wanted to see the juxtaposition of the two. And it must have be, felt good. Oh, it felt great. Just to be back on my turf, you know, because that wasn't my turf. That they was, said Ter Teddy Bergeron did that. Do you remember Teddy Bergeron's set at the comedy store? Let me tell you this, folks. I don't know if I've said this before. I probably have because I'm a repetitive fuckhead. But Teddy Bergeron, at one point in time, was one of the greatest comics that ever lived. He was fucking incredible. And he did a Tonight Show set, and he, he got on the piano, and he was, like, singing on the piano and talking on the piano. And it was magical. Magical. And they said he went to the comedy store that night and got fucked out of his head and was really? stumbling into the streets and just out of his mind. Just had a problem with substances. Yeah, I know. I remember him he being so drunk that we were at a club in Long Island, and he sat on the edge of the stage and started crying. And the well, audience thought that he was fucking around, so right. they all started laughing. Oh, my God. Yeah, can you imagine? So, That's hilarious. And by the way, his, first, his set on The Tonight Show, this is what I was told. He did so much overtime that they had to bump somebody, and that's why he went to the couch. Wow. Wasn't he went to the couch because it was so great, it was, and he never did the show again. As far as I know. But I, I think he never did the show again because he fucked something up. I think he got drunk and no, fucked he, something but up. But he did, he did way too much time. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. But they loved him. Like, Johnny was loving him. Like, how could he well, not Johnny's, have him on again? Johnny was very supportive of mostly everybody, you know. Yeah. So he was, I mean, he was the greatest. Didn't Howard Stern hate Johnny Carson, though? Did he really? I think he did. I think he hated him. Like, I remember him talking about Johnny Carson being a terrible person. Wow. Like a piece of shit. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I hope I'm not wrong with that. The most nervous I ever got, ever, for doing anything was doing Stern. Oh, yeah? I was terrified. Because you wanted to... Because he was uh, an idol of mine. I mean, for me, 
he was um, he was my generation's Johnny Carson. Yeah, because I didn't give a fuck about being on the Tonight Show. To me, I was I was a dirty comic. I cared about. I never thought Kinnison I'd be on the show. Yeah, I liked I like guys like Hicks and Kinnison and Dice and, and and Pryor and like that's not that Tonight Show stuff was great. I enjoyed watching like Jenny on or you on or someone who's that who could do that style and do I, it really I, well. That style is really hard for me. I'd rather do improv. But you be... used to do it well. You were great on those oh, shows. Thanks, I tried, but you know. But it's not you like at the comedy store killing. No, it's a different thing. It's a different thing. Yeah. I just was never attracted to it. It's just to me, the five minutes, the censorship, the, the all this stuff is just like, it it didn't mean anything to me. I always think the coolest thing about your career is you did what you wanted to do. I mean, you did you basically you did a sitcom. You did like look look at the career you have now. I mean, it's like it's you're it's only you in in that lane. You know what I mean? It's bizarre. I don't that, know how I it mean, happened. That you, you do this announcing jobs, and it's, and it's like you could be just that, and you're already a success. But you got stand up. You got anything you want. You know. Well, yeah. It's just like you said. It's just things I enjoy. I got, I'm lucky that there's things that I enjoy that are jobs. Yeah, That's what that it are is. lucrative. It's it's always a good thing. But the night before I did Stern for the first time, I was shitting my pants. That's funny. I, little, I would never. I would never thought that. Nervous as fuck. Because it was to me. It was like. I can't even believe I'm really going to do his show. Yeah. Like to me, like if they told me I was going to do the Tonight Show, I'd be like, "All right, I'll do it." Like I, I mean, I would have been nervous. I would have been a would little nervous. Would you do nervous. it now? No, no, I don't want to. I don't. I was. Well, like you, I was saying you know, before, like I don't want to do anything. All you could do yeah. is lose. It's better. Well, you I could, mean, you could win. You could have a good set and no, have no, fun I mean, and everything like that. But but you're expected to have yeah. a good set. You know. Well, it's just I talk too much. <laughs> I talked too, talk too much already. I talked too much so far. I want to go. Let's go play pool. Let's wrap this fucker up. You want to? Dominic, let's do it. Let's. I'll shoot a couple of games. All right. Let's let's wrap this up and go play pool. Well, thanks for having me on. Anytime, my brother. Anytime. Uh, where can people see you? You got uh, some dates coming up. Uh, next week I'm at the uh, Black Box in uh, Boca Raton, and then the following week I'm at. Um, uh, Vinny, Vinny Brands Club, Stress Factory. Oh, in New Jersey. Awesome uh, club. And then uh, uh, the Improv at Vegas in the first week of April. And all of a sudden, your website? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Who maintains your website? Some guy who's a fan of mine from... Oh. Uh, He's a great guy, this guy, David. He, hey, Dave, tell us, uh, <laughs> is it damarera.com? Yeah, Do you have so. a calendar up there? How the fuck do people find out where your gigs are? I, I, I try and keep a secret. It's, uh, <laughs> I don't want to be bothered by crowds. Dominic Arriera, ladies and gentlemen. Thank We're going to go play some pool. Thanks, Love you, brother. brother. Love you, too. <laughs>